Welcome to Almost Road Podcast. It's great to have my friend Joel uh, here again. Uh, Joel, can you, can you introduce yourself? Yes. Um, my name is Joel Yoeli, uh, and I am a retired uh, clinical psychologist. Uh, I am in private practice, uh, and I do a lot of philosophy in voluntary amateur philosophy groups in Newcastle. Um, I was born in Israel in a communal settlement called Kibbutz, uh, born and raised, and then joined the army and then went to university to study philosophy and psychology. Um, I uh, was known amongst psychologists as the only philosopher, and I'm known amongst philosopher, philosophers as a psychologist. So I can't win. Uh, philosophers tell me I'm too psychological, and psychologists tell me I'm too philosophical. So essentially, I'm trying to bridge the two. Psychology used to be a part of philosophy uh, about 200 years ago and branched off on its own like <clears throat> so many other sciences because it want, wanted to be a science and wants to be a science uh, ever more. Uh, it feels that we should ground uh, the study of the mind and behavior and memory and perception and personality <clears throat> and psychopathology, all of it in science, in on more hard science, natural science grounds that I suppose ultimately leads to neuroscience. So there is a convergence nowadays between psychology and neuroscience. I, uh, however, look at psychology from a philosophical perspective. Uh, I don't, I'm not opposed to the science of psychology, but it feels to me that the real contribution ultimately of psychology to humanity is more uh, in humanities uh, than in science. And that the art uh, of talking to people and the art of understanding people uh, cannot be reduced to uh, chemistry or neurochemistry or neuroscience, uh, that it is essentially anchored in culture and in language and in philosophy and in art and in life itself, not biology as uh, physiology as, as the substance of the body, but in the unfolding of life. People are born and they begin a journey, and that journey, of course, uh, gets them in contact with other people. It also gets them more and more uh, to know themselves and they uh, to know the way they feel, the way they think, the way they relate, the way they take offense, the way they uh, celebrate the way they uh, fail. And all these things are fascinating and some people uh, are defeated and some people uh, thrive 
And some people make sense of it, and some people feel there is no meaning, no sense, no significance. Uh, but psychology and philosophy to me are one and the same. What I always felt and continue to feel is the absence of psychology in philosophy, and of course the absence of philosophy in psychology. And uh, philosophers tend to ignore the person. They uh, uh, feel that it's wrong ad hominem. In other words, when the discussion gets a bit personal, <coughs> philosophers don't like it. Um, and uh, they tend to ignore emotions, and they tend to ignore um, fantasies, or not all philosophers, but by and large, mainstream philosophy is not comfortable with that which is not rational, or that which is not logical, or that which is changeable, as, as emotions do. And I uh, feel, I disagree, I feel that uh, one of the main things, perhaps the main thing, that's uh, lacking in philosophy is precisely the human spirit or the human uh, struggle or the human collapse, if you like, uh, all the way to people who experience uh, psychotic breakdowns, and, uh, but not, not necessarily them. All humanity uh, carries a range of emotions that would enrich and contribute and supplement uh, rationality. And this obsession with uh, proof or evidence or argument uh, seems to me overrated. Uh, yes, there is a place for it, and I hope I and other people do make sense. And I hope to uh, always uh, try my best to back up what I say philosophically and uh, be as coherent and, yes, as rational as possible. On the other hand, uh, people, maybe I don't myself so much, but uh, I have had many, many clients who are not able to do so and who bring to me, and I wouldn't say they are sick or ill, uh, they bring to me a range of emotions that uh, it seems to me philosophy rejects. And I think society rejects. And I think there is no reason to reject it because it is life itself. It does not uh, suggest a psychopathology, it does not suggest abnormality. It suggests simply uh, deeper and wider aspects of life that some people come to experience very personally, very intimately. Now I want to bring in faith because uh, Elmo, my friend, mentioned it. And uh, that's another thing that I want to bring into philosophy, of course, because I uh, go to church myself, although I'm not religious, but my wife is. And uh, I talk a lot to people of faith. And um, the one thing most religious tell me is that religious, religiosity or faith is an emotional thing. So when I try to be philosophical about it or try to uh, not debate as such, but understand and bring a li little bit of theology into it and philosophy, they tend to say that that is not what they feel. And most of them are not even 
interested in theology. What they are interested in is the feeling. Of course, they are interested in community and other people and the service and the hymns, but essentially it boils down to an emotional experience. And I respect it, as I just said before, I respect it enormously. And it is part of what, of course, I, I would like to bring to philosophy, the religious experience, as I would like to bring into philosophy any experience. And, and it seems to me immature to reject a certain emotions on grounds that they are not rational, or as some people like to say, mystical, or some people like to say, uh, irrational. I, maybe they are, but it doesn't... Uh, it's not reason enough not to uh, inquire or investigate or explore uh, the irrational side of life. It's not outside philosophy. Because to me, philosophy applies to everything. To me, philosophy, and I'm trying now to move it a little bit, philosophy is method. Philosophy is a mode of inquiry. Philosophy is a, an activity, as Wittgenstein says, which uh, you apply to the variety of uh, phenomena uh, or, or experience or, or, or ideas that uh, you encounter in the world. And philosophy is not, in my opinion, although somewhat it is, but philosophy is not a doctrine, in my opinion. It's not a, a systematic, uh, it's, it's not a system of thought. It's not necessarily an opinion or a position, uh, as most people tend to, uh, I think, sneak into philosophy. What's your position on this and what's your position on that? Uh, but uh, it is first and foremost, as I, as I said before, a, a method. A method that is, in a sense, neutral. In other words, it doesn't take sides as such. It, uh, operates as it were with wonder and curiosity. These are the twin words that people use. And it, it, it takes interest, it gets involved, it gets engaged, it finds everything uh, that happens uh, in other people and other, other ideas, other opinions, other religions, non-religious, anything under the sun evokes its interest uh, as it were. And philosophy thereby uh, seeks to enter into relationship with that which it explores and enter into deep relationship, uh, extensive relationship, uh, and, and sincere and serious, not uh, dismissive and not uh, condescending and not arrogant and not uh, ex exclu exclusionary but rather uh, it truly wants to find the truth in everything. And truth thereby emerges as perhaps the, the thing that is truly universal, uh, that everything in a sense uh, is an emanation of truth, and anything seeks, or anyone for that matter, seeks truth. Now we'll come back to it, but I want now to return a little bit to psychology and philosophy, and as I understand it, the great concept of psychology is process, 
And the, arguably, as I said before, the great concept of philosophy is method. And so I sort of, for the sake of uh, tonight at any rate, I uh, combine the two or uh, nearly collapse one into the other and embark on this grand idea of process, method, method, process, psychology, philosophy, philosophy, psychology, in which both uh, in their own ways, uh, in the, in the, yeah, uh, try to do the same thing. That is, I, as a psychologist, apply process to people, and philosophy as method, uh, or philosophy applies method to ideas. And it is one and the same. Uh, of course, I seek to combine the two things together. But before I combine, I want to highlight or to illustrate that they operate along the same lines and from the same motive and towards the same goal, namely to seek truth, to enter in psychology with people, in philosophy with ideas, uh, to such an extent that you can unravel or you can uh, uncover or whatever the word is, uh, unfold, uh, a phenomena or a thing or an idea or, or, or uh, a person, whatever, all the way. In other words, not, not to leave a stone unturned, to, to be forever committed or curious. And if you, are, if you lose interest, uh, I would argue it means that you no longer do philosophy or you no longer do psychology. If you find yourself bored, or if you find yourself dismissive of what other people say, or if you feel that uh, they are wrong and you are right, then I think you lost the main thrust of what both psychology and philosophy are all about. So that brings us, I suppose, to will and skill a little bit. Uh, I have observed and I may be wrong, but I have observed over many years that people all have a will. In other words, contrary to popular opinion that suggests, oh, he doesn't want to do it, or he uh, wants to have it easy, or he, uh, in other words, Mostly, people explain behavior, especially with children and teenagers and so on, but in general, criminals and insane people and so on, they tend to attribute it to whether the person wants it or not. And I have come to the conclusion that uh, that's not the case, that will is granted, is a given. All people want in their own way. If anything, they want too much, if anything. But certainly there is no absence of uh, uh, will to help, to understand, to cooperate, to work. Whatever it is the case, the will is there. What I would like to argue here, and it's not a new idea, but nowadays people don't think about it, is the lack of skill. In other words, incompetence or lack of aptitude, or there are many words in English for that. Uh, uh, 
It is a sue. Of course, it is accepted in technical matters. Of course, people understand that in order to work with objects, uh, to fix cars or to build airplanes or to uh, build rockets or, or whatever, uh, or to do brain surgery or anything of that nature, of course, people accept requires skill and, and learning and certification and practice and all the rest of it. But when it comes to life itself, that is how to live, how to relate, how to feel, uh, people tend to assume that it's God-given or that it's natural or that somehow by osmosis people develop. Uh, maybe they learn from one another or maybe they uh, read about it. The assumption is that people know how to live. Or they know how, I repeat, how to feel, how to relate, how to love, how to feel happy, how to deal with sadness, how to deal with depression, whatever. And I would like to submit tonight on this podcast that uh, it sounds a bit uh, sweeping uh, generalization, but by and large, people lack skill in matters, in human affairs, in matters of living a life, in matters of relationships with other people, in matters of how to understand the inner world, in matters of how to deal with those who disagree with you or with what uh, annoys you or makes you angry or upsets you, and all the way to crisis in life and so on, people display a stupendous ignorance and inability to change course, inability to make sense, inability to rise above their own uh, position, inability to make sense of their feelings. So I maintain that the problem in the field of philosophy, especially in the field of psychology, uh, uh, I'm sorry about the uh, what's lacking is, uh, as I said, skill. Now that takes me back to ancient Greece. Before philosophy even began, the main idea uh, of the Greeks was what was called excellence. In other words, craftsmanship. A person uh, developed a skill or developed uh, uh, an ability or capacity uh, and made it into a profession, let's say a mason or a smith or a baker or a doctor or whatever. And the idea the Greeks liked to talk a lot about it is that they called it the good. The good was not what we think of nowadays as kindness and virtue and morality, but the good was whether you knew how to operate a tool. So goodness was a skill. That was the view of the Greeks that we should aim in life to sharpen our skills by way of becoming virtuous. That's before Socrates. And this idea, when I came across it in my early 20s or even before, hit me as relevant to this day in psychology and in philosophy. Namely, 
how do you handle life? How do you handle things? How do you handle people? How do you handle yourself? How do you handle all sorts of Do you dismiss it? Do you rationalize it? Do you defend against it? Do you bat it away? Do you uh, ignore it? Do you deny it? Do you attack it? And this range of things that people do strike me as the uh, main, main uh, target of philosophy. What philosophy, there is of course metaphysics and the world and so on, but I'm talking now about people, the main contribution of philosophy is to help people become a bit more humble and realize, which many people take offense, realize they haven't got a clue. Now I say it a bit uh, bombastically, a bit provocatively, and I don't mean to say I know more than others and I don't mean to dismiss my fellow human beings, but for the sake of putting it on the table. Can I go on? Yeah. yeah, for the sake of putting it on the table, I would like to submit that over however many years of clinical experience, professional experience, interpersonal experience, family experience, personal experience, and so on and so forth, my overwhelming conclusion, I put it very, um, you know, conclusively, is that the skill of life how to live a life is as pertinent today as when Socrates posited it two and a half millennia ago or more, that people don't know. It's not that life lacks meaning or it is absurd or it is this or it is that. It is that as simple as that. We don't know knowledge. We don't know how to live a life. And because I say we, Although, of course, there is variation and normal distribution curve and some people know more than others and culture comes into it and age comes into it and what have you, of course, it's not black and white. But for the sake of putting it all in one statement in order to clarify the matter, what's lacking is this simple acknowledgement, recognition, uh, willingness to admit Look, I respond in such a inf I or we in such an infantile manner with such over the top anger, with such defensiveness, with with such narrow range of what's right and what's wrong and what's philosophical and what's not philosophical. So I. It is my experience, and I'm, uh, I would like people, of course, I'm a philo philosophical inclined, I would like people to challenge me. I would like people to prove me wrong. I don't have any problem uh, being proved wrong. I only submit as a starting point, as a, uh, as a first step, that the lack of skill is the philosoph of how to live a life is the philosophical problem number one. And the result is, of course, that it gets compensated for by, obviously, capitalism thrives on it. It, it taps into our deep uh, experience and knowledge that we, 
don't know what to do. We don't know what to think. We don't know how to tackle this, or how to tackle that. We don't know how to love our partner. We don't know how to love our children. I put it a bit provocatively. I always apologize. But why not? It has to be said. Philosophy is provocative. It's meant to be provocative because it, it is there to provoke thinking. So I... I, it is my, oh, I repeat, my, my overwhelming experience that in matters that ought or, or one would expect, how, how else do you become a parent or, or remain a parent if you don't learn from the experience? And how do you learn from the experience? By accepting that in the beginning you don't know. Otherwise, if you think that you know, you will never learn. And you have to almost accept at the outset of anything in life, a relationship or, or becoming a, a parent or becoming a, a professional, that you don't know. Now, the whole gist of education works against it because people uh, feel that they invest many years in education, in the acquisition of of life skills or acquisition of knowledge or acquisition of at least book knowledge. And when it comes to life knowledge, they sort of hide behind book knowledge, especially philosophers, dare I say. And uh, they really persuade themselves that they illusion. It is such a fantasy. Of course, know intellectually about it, such a big difference between knowing in theory and knowing in practice. And so uh, I, for one, feel that the Greeks knew something, uh, didn't miss a trick, and they think that at our peril we are not prepared to return to, go back to the design board and ask ourselves, what is life? where all the things I don't want to repeat, all the things that I, I outlined before. What is emotion? What is the mind? I mean, people ask it, but they ask it in such an abstract, such an intellectual... I'm not saying it's not interesting. It's very interesting. And I love it. But uh, the, the most fundamental... Uh, uh, thing uh, uh, the, at, at the simplest level that appeals to everyone, that every child understands. People don't ask this question, they take it for granted. They assume that we know everything, you know, every, every aspect of life, uh, how to play, how to, how to um, you know, uh, interpret things, endless such things. And uh, it is, to me, a, a, a big challenge and a good challenge. Uh, I, 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 so far as I understand, philosophy never shies away or shouldn't shy away from challenges. The whole idea of philosophy is that you pose a big, enormous, metaphysical uh, scale problem and you allow yourself centuries or millennia to discuss it. And to me, it's wonderful. I don't feel that the fact that philosophy fails to come up with a definitive answer uh, indicates that philosophy is redundant or that philosophy is, is uh, uh, not exact or, or doesn't yield what science does. Yeah, okay, science does what it does. But the 
idea that skill lies at the heart of everything and that it uh, links with the idea of process and with the idea of method seems to me paramount in our attempt to focus uh, philosophical discussions. And I was, uh, I must uh, bring you into it, Elmo, a little bit because I was hopeful and was looking forward when you launched yet another group uh, that uh, it may be a chance or an opportunity uh, to you know, raise such uh, what I just uh, discussed. And uh, I, I, I'm not disappointed, but uh, I think that we, you and I, or I, or whatever, are up against a, a, a resistance or, or, or lack of understanding uh, as to, or lack of acknowledgement that the most fundamental aspects of life have to become the focus of philosophy. That before, and I'm not against abstraction, before philosophy goes to absolutes and to, to God and to uh, m wonderful concepts, uh, it needs to understand that the very interest that philosophy, that, that gave rise to philosophy in the first place, was because people felt in some ways, uh, uh, and they acknowledged it, overwhelmed by nature, awed by nature. It, it uh, to me, it is a good thing to realize the enormity of things, including your own life, and to realize the, the limitations of your conception, of your grasp, of your experience of things, and the gap between that, between how much there is to know and how little you do know, or how little you even uh, able to conceive of what is there, is there to know in the first place. All these things gave rise, it's wonderful, it's a big tension between the, as we now know from modern physics, the universe is enormous and, and expanding at an accelerated pace is beyond belief. We are nothing, a speck of dust uh, at some obscure corner of the universe, perhaps the only uh, planet or with life on it, perhaps not, who knows. But the the it's it's inspiring this idea that what we have to think about from the little to the enormous what we have to think about is much greater than the way we the way we think in other words the way we think has to change the very way so knowledge is not acquisition of information. Knowledge is changing the way we think. In other words, it's process. It's, uh, and forever it is, and I link it, by the way, with another concept called the meta, sorry that I go around and round a little bit, but the idea of meta concept uh, intrigues me no end. Instead of arguing yes, no, yes, no, you are right, I'm right, you, you seek via method, not, not dialectics, not that you find common ground or you think that the other person somehow takes your idea f forward, but the very existence of otherness, of something different to yourself, uh, challenges you about the way, I, I repeat, the way you think, not what you think. 
but the the way by which you come to think what you think. Uh, that to me uh, is a big idea, meta, but that's part of how you explain meta, thinking about thinking. It's nowadays, it's almost a cliche and widely accepted that one of the best definitions, so people say, of philosophy is thinking about thinking. What does it mean? It means that you think about the very thing that thinks. It thinks that you understand that the idea is not to grasp for knowledge but that you have to put at your, um, you know, at the end of your microscope, as, as it were, thinking itself. So thought itself is the object of philosophy, or one of the objects of philosophy. And how on earth do you think about thinking? What does that mean? That means that you, I suppose, that you have to develop a capacity that perhaps was not present before, of thinking about thinking and perhaps taking it to the nth degree where I don't know where it stops to thinking about thinking about thinking and so it goes or to think about the, the way other people think to have this ability to detach to remove yourself to, to, to create a fulcrum from which you sort of examine uh, uh, the way you think the way other people think and the way in the first place so I return to will and skill. Will is not a problem. Human beings, if anything, are all full of good intentions. They all want to do good, including psychopaths, including devils, including uh, evil people, whatever religion or, or psychology would like to say, it's not true. Every human being tries and therein lies a, a deep truth. They try and fail. And the failure is what results in what is then interpreted as evil. The failure. And the failure is because they lack the skill to deal with a range of issues. How do I deal with another person? How do I deal with someone weaker than me? How do I deal with someone stronger than me? How do I deal with the other sex, the other gender? How do I deal with people who are, uh, have a different skin color, a disability? It never ends, that thing. And we find that if we are honest, that we fail. Human beings fail precisely because they try to deal with things. Not because they don't want to deal with things. I repeat, they want so much that they apply themselves beyond their ability to do it. So the will is there, the skill is absent. It is, to me, a devastating indictment of humanity. <laughs> it's not devastating if you recognize it. Nothing is devastating if you are prepared to look at it. But if you ignore it, it does become devastating. If every failure is then seen as a moral failure, or, 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 or as evil, or as psychopathy, or as, as anti, or as, uh, uh, you know, opposition, rather than the opposite, that there is collaboration a priori, that there is a willingness to love uh, at the outset, that human beings are born with, with they extend love uh, from, from day one, 
and, and, and they never stop to extend love. And therein lies the problem. In their extension of love, that's where the seeds of failure are, uh, uh, they sprout. They, 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 they start there. And if anything, humanity needs to be told, as it were, do less. Don't try so hard. Don't be so uh, do-gooder. I'm not saying people should not do. Uh, of course, it's wonderful what people do. But many people, and they get so confused about it, they know that they tried. Many couples, I work with couples a lot, they love each other dearly. They want to give, and, they, and, and it fails. And it is, you can look at it as a tragedy, you can look at it as a, as a farce, or you could look at it as, as pathetic or whatever. But that's what happens. From two goods comes bad. From good intentions comes failure. And, and failure is, it is a fundamental psychological, philosophical, well, let's start with psychological experience of humanity. They all feel they fail. And on top of it, they feel they fail because they tried. And they sort of say to themselves, why did I try in the first place? I would have been better off had I not tried. And that confuses them no end because they do want to do good. They do want to love. They do want to help other people. And if the very attempt to help is the very reason why they fail, well, we have a philosophical uh, idea here, or meta-idea, or call it what you like. And yet, and I say to you again and again, I don't find it in 158 philosophy groups I'm a member of. Elmo, I'm crazy. Why am I crazy? Because I want to understand humanity. It doesn't mean to say I look at it every day. I'm busy. But I want, I, I never give up, and I never give hope that my fellow philosophers are prepared, are prepared to, you know, to open the eye. It sounds a bit messianic, I don't mean it like that, but are prepared to look at aspects that they omit. They are so obsessed with argumentation, with uh, let's debate something, even you. <laughs> let's debate. Let's see who is more clever. Let's see who can uh, marshal arguments here or marshal arguments there. Meanwhile, Behind debate, there is encounter. Behind encounter, there is relationship. Behind relationship, there is hope. Uh, uh, all these aspects get missed in this teenager sort of uh, public school uh, point scoring, but especially young. Yeah, hey, but I but I found you on on a debate post I made so. That that came that something good came yeah, out yeah, of yeah. it. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, yes. I have nothing against you, as I have nothing against anyone, and I'm simply uh, trying my best because they. I don't know how to write well. I I write in a in a difficult way, I suppose, because because of my father or whatever, and I don't know. I can talk, but I'm not sure I can put it clear enough and short, concise enough in writing. So, yes, I accept what you said. <laughs> Sorry, yes. Do you want me to go on? Um, so, what, what do we do? So, um, 
Well, let me just gather my thoughts a little bit. Yes. I, um, I, you know, I work with children and children play. And it seems to me that philosophy uh, can comparing itself to child's play. And that philosophy uh, is by its very nature playful. It is not uh, ideological and it is not, does not come from right, uh, at, uh, colonizing wrong as many people see it. But rather it, uh, Nietzsche used to talk like that, rather it doesn't apply too much seriousness. It rather approaches things as a, as a dancer or as, a, as an acrobat. Nietzsche uses all these metaphors and lightens up the uh, discussion in order to uh, relax and in order to allow uh, emotions or, or relationships to emerge. So play uh, I, I don't know if I am that playful, but play to me is what's missing in, again, in many groups. This idea of tease each other a little bit. Don't, don't get so uh, either uh, agree or, or, or don't agree, but play with what other people say. They, they are a gift from God, if you like and they bring something different and give them the credit even though it uh, at first doesn't meet the eye as, as substantial enough or, or erudite enough or scholarly enough or backed by evidence or whatever. The, it goes back to process. You need, in my opinion, you need to um, create out of an encounter with other people Play. And play is different from game. Often people say that game is that which has rules and play is precisely breaking the rules, uh, which is why I equate it with uh, method and, and uh, process. It's sort of removing uh, obstacles or removing that which uh, may constrain or may stand in the way or may be the problem. And so the idea of playing with things is not popular. People feel you shift your positions or people feel you are not serious or people feel, well, if we, if we don't play by this and that, by those rules, then we can't ever achieve anything. So I, again, would like to submit that it's the other way around, that you don't need to define a priori, you, know, you don't need to offer definitions and say, this is what we are going to talk, and these are the rules of the game, and we take this as the uh, the, the space within which we discuss, but rather philosophy is imaginative, it's, it's like speculative, it, it can take things out of the box. It, I think, essentially operates out of the box. It, it, it can't be boxed, it, 
one of the great ideas in philosophy is freedom or liberty. And so the idea of play versus game uh, strikes me as very interesting. Like everything else in philosophy, we need to talk more and philosophize and understand what exactly I mean by that. I'm just using it as a rule of thumb, as, as just a, a shooting from the hip sort of a contrast. And that leads me to another idea, which I think I mentioned last time, falsification of dichotomies. It seems to me there are no dichotomies in the world. It seems to me. And uh, philosophy more than any other, more than science, of course, perhaps more than religion, uh, recognizes. And again, it, it uh, relates to the idea of meta, that uh, when we find ourselves in disagreement, uh, I don't mean just to individuals, but you know, religions or nations or civilizations, then it is, then it is a philosophical failure. It is a failure of conceptualization or reconceptualization. It is a failure to recognize that the concept failed, not we failed. And that in time, I'm not saying every day we change concepts, but in time, concepts need to give way to more sophisticated or more, or more advanced or more inclusive concepts. So philosophy is essentially, over time, reconceptualization. It's essentially allowing a concept to run its course. Let's say mind. I, I wouldn't put truth there, but I would put nearly everything else. Let's say will. Let's say um, um, power. Uh, let's say, I don't know. I don't know what to think now, any, any old thing. And allow it, explore it, discuss it, and at some point, replace it. At some point, a concept no longer uh, holds the same scope, the same remit, remit that it did before. One such concept, in my opinion, is mind. Another such concept, in my opinion, is knowledge. Concepts that we used to think of as formidable, wonderful, insightful, profound. Mind, when Plato, following Anaxagoras, but when Plato discusses it, seems, wow, he's talking about something that perhaps human beings before never thought they had, this capacity to think and this capacity to reason. And, but after two and a half thousand years, one begins to say, well, it has had its day. And it no longer helps us to discuss what human beings are. I'm just giving an example of the cuff. And I could think of many such examples. Uh, but essentially, the, regardless of how long you give it or which concept, this very idea that philosophy grows through concepts. In other words, it's not a waste of time. Such concepts 
were crucial, were foundationals. Foundational. They were very helpful. They took philosophy a long way forward. I would like to believe philosophy progresses. It's not a waste of time. And precisely because it runs with a concept as much as it does, it reaches a point in which it needs to transcend or, or traverse or, or go beyond or take it to a meta level. And I find people reluctant. In other words, people are creatures of, of obviously, of uh, habits and therefore creatures of uh, concepts that sort of have been established. And they are very reluctant when you suggest to drop the concept altogether. They would like you to contribute, which is fair enough, uh, another angle to the concept. Or, it's fair enough. I, I'm being radical. You don't have to be radical. I'm simply uh, suggesting that there may come a point or has come a point or, or whatever does come a point in which uh, that's it. Uh, or forever you can add things to mind, for instance. But at some point one feels, I feel that it stops philosophy because philosophy is an activity. Philosophy is not cumulative knowledge. Philosophy is merely the march of method or process in which it applies itself to more things with more intensity, with more uh, recognition of itself as process. It's not that we know more as indeed is perhaps in science or in history or, or, or whatever. In philosophy, we don't know more. We do more. It's process. We sharpen our skill. I return to where I began. We have a better skill of doing it. But that does not mean to say that we have actually solved or come to understand uh, anything necessarily better we certainly have developed a way of doing it. And I return to it because that's to me the main idea, the main idea, philosophy as method, uh, let alone psychology, leave psychology aside for now. Philosophy as method. And um, Joel, I, I would love it if you could like uh, bring it to the summary and it's been a great talking to you. Uh, I've learned a lot. And what would be the closing statement to all of this that you've said? The closing statement is where philosophy begins. I think that philosophy is the space between humanity and the world. And that space um, uh, invites us to uh, recognize things that otherwise we wouldn't. So at once is metaphysics, that is we deal with what is beyond ourselves, not ourselves, but that uh, brings us 
into because we are opened by the universe we bring ourselves into that process and if we, if we if we are not careful that is precisely the problem in other words human awareness or human awakening is the problem if not handled with skill and when i studied philosophy i'll say to you even though you are religious they said i come from a secular society and they said as follows philosophy comes in the wake of the priest the priest invites us to increase our awareness and the philosophers says wait a moment the question is how do you increase your awareness and so one of the things that are hard to incorporate into philosophy is to be less aware to be less knowledgeable and to pay attention to process rather than to content and so i return to what i said before humanity is the obstacle to philosophy and it's a funny thing to say because humanity is what philosophy is a philosophy is a human endeavor of course but the people who do philosophy are the main obstacle to philosophy that's where i will end <laughs> okay cool and joel thank you so much for the all your time and it uh i just love talking to you brother so that's the end of it thanks for tuning in guys this is your host elmo ador jr and thank you for listening in and please subscribe please follow us on facebook please please follow this please thanks Thank you.